Written and read by Oliver Gray. Chapter 16. It was six weeks later that Ben took the call at home in Austin. After the storm of activity surrounding Lucy's career breakthrough, things had quietened down. Lucy was unwilling to take part in the album tour album pattern that conventional music business wisdom required. Taking Kate Bush as a model, and with Ben's full support, she was going to put her private life first and her career second. It's happened, Rosie was saying. You mean Robert? Yes, he passed away yesterday. She had rung to ask if Ben wanted to come to the funeral. After some thought, he decided he would. Life was too short to hold grudges, and in a way Robert had been important in his life. Ali had started school, and Lucy, having never met Robert, decided to stay home with her. It was an odd feeling to be back at Basingstoke Crematorium. This time, the crowd of mourners was much bigger. There were colleagues, past and present, representatives from the County Council Education Department and the Rotary Club, plus relatives and friends from far and wide. Fulsome tributes were paid to Robert for his years of dedicated service to the young people of Winchester. Everyone was dressed in sombre black, and a feeling of extreme sadness filled the chapel. Classical music was played as the coffin disappeared, and then everyone repaired to the Winchester Lawn Tennis Club in Berwick Road for drinks and sandwiches. Ben decided not to go along. He felt he'd done his bit, and the distraught Diana was steadfast in not speaking to him or even casting him a glance. Ben certainly didn't want to cause further grief or embarrassment. As Ben walked to his hire car, he paused to shake Rosie's hand and kiss her on the cheek. She was with her husband David and son Jack. Rosie fumbled in her handbag and took out a brown A5 envelope. We were cleaning out Dad's desk yesterday, and we came across this. It's addressed to you. Really? That's interesting. Thanks. I'll have a look later. Ben put the letter into the inside pocket of his suit. He wasn't sure where to go or what to do, but in the end he decided to go for a cappuccino in a nearby coffee shop called The Good Life in Kingsworthy. This was a favourite old haunt from his days at St John's School, where he would often take a pile of exercise books for marking. After he had ordered, he took out the envelope. It was clearly marked in Robert's handwriting, For the sole attention of Ben Walker, only to be opened in the event of my death. Inside was a sheaf of folded A4 papers, typed on a computer and printed out. Ben, hoping that it would be a protracted apology for the way in which he'd been treated, began to read. Dear Ben, by the time you read this, I will no longer be with you. My specialist has recently informed me that I only have a few weeks to live. Before I die, there is something important I have to tell you. Barry Mort did not kill Corey Zander. It was me. I know this will come as a shock to you. I am writing this letter to explain exactly what happened and to ask for your understanding and forgiveness. There are many things that you do not know and could not have known. On the evening when you went to Millbrook to buy drugs for Corey, Rosie was left alone in the house. I'm afraid that things happened that evening that you now need to know about, even though we decided to keep them from you at the time. Corey Zander was talking to Rosie in the lounge, and she gave him a couple of glasses of the whiskey you had bought, to be hospitable. All this is what Rosie told me, so I know it to be accurate. Alone in the house with her, Zander started making suggestive remarks to Rosie. He said she was attractive, and asked if he could touch her. She, of course, laughed and said, no, but he didn't want to take no for an answer. 
He was a very big man, and he pinned her down on the sofa. He put his hand on her breast, and, while she struggled, he then put his other hand up her skirt and tried to pull down her pants. All the time, she said, he was laughing and saying that she wanted it, really. Of course she didn't want it. In the end, she got her hand on one of her mother's crochet needles and managed to stab him in the arm with it. As he pulled back in pain, Rosie succeeded in escaping from underneath him and ran for the door. She went home to your flat. We were out, of course, looking after Diana's mother and didn't return until the next day. I didn't want to come to your gig at all, but Rosie wanted me to show support. While you were helping to set up, Rosie asked me to come into the beer garden, and that was where she told me what had happened. I was absolutely incensed. I understand that you have a daughter now as well, so you will know how a father feels if anyone threatens or harms his daughter. You would do anything to protect her. She had been molested in my own house, and I hadn't been there to help. My instinct was to go straight to Xander and confront him, but there were too many people around. In my position, I couldn't afford any scandal, and a brawl in the pub could have meant the end of my career. Then, before I knew it, all that trouble was kicking off. Barry Mort barged in to watch the student band, and then he caused even more trouble when Xander was playing. For a moment I thought Xander was going to kill him, but then Xander suddenly left the room. This was my chance to get away. I promise that all I intended to do was make sure I wasn't involved in any potential fallout. I was just leaving when I saw the glow of a cigarette at the end of the car park. I was sure it was Xander, and I was right. I went up to him and confronted him with what he had done to my daughter. It would never have ended the way it did if he had responded in the right way and apologised, but he didn't. He was still wound up by what Mort had said to him, and he didn't need my accusations as well. He just swore at me. What did it was the words he said. She was asking for it. I did not intend to kill him. Please don't think I came up behind him and attacked him with a brick. But what the barristers were saying was partly right. I was beside myself with rage, and I pushed him as hard as I could. I would never have had the strength to push him over. But he put his foot on a slippery old kebab paper and just went down backwards like a log. I was horrified when I saw he'd hit his head, with all that blood coming out. I had no idea whether he was dead or not, but I didn't care. The only important thing was that I couldn't be associated in any way with such sordid events. I dragged him behind the dustbin. It wasn't far, but it was difficult. He was very heavy, I can tell you. Then I put the brick and the bourbon bottle in the bin. I crept back towards the road, keeping in the shadows. Suddenly, Mort came dashing out. He called to his friends to get away fast, and they ran off. That's when I realised that no one knew that I had spoken to Xander, or even where he was. As I began to walk home, I suddenly saw that there was blood all over my suit and my hands. I obviously couldn't go home like that, so I took the back streets to school. I let myself in with the master key. I sometimes have to do jobs in the evening, so I know how to override the alarm system. I keep a spare suit and shirt in the cupboard in the office in case I get paint or something on my clothes. I buried the bloodstained suit at the bottom of the skip at the back of the school. I knew nobody would dream of looking in it. Why should they? Then I went home. In the morning, I told Diana there had been trouble at the gig and that it had overrun. I didn't know whether Xander was dead. For all I knew, he'd woken up and was walking around with a sore head. It wasn't until the next evening that I was sure I'd killed him. And by then, they had arrested you. Ben, please believe me when I say that 
If the police had pursued the case against you, I would have gone in and confessed. I wouldn't have let you go down for a crime that you hadn't committed. But when they saw that Mort was the obvious killer, I realised I had a chance to make sure that both you and I would be safe. Mort was a vile, violent man with no scruples or morals. He might easily have killed Xander. I remembered reading a report of a previous attempted murder he'd been involved in. The world would be a better place with people like that safely locked up behind bars. The only problem was, was there enough evidence to convict him? That's when I realised that I could provide evidence. If I said that I'd seen Xander and Mort arguing and fighting, it should be enough to convince a jury. That way, both you and I would be able to continue our careers with our reputations intact. Please don't blame Rosie for not telling you about what Xander did to her. She hadn't had a chance to talk to you and planned to tell you all about it the next day. I begged her not to because you would have told the police about it. That would have made me a suspect and I couldn't afford that. As far as I know, she still hasn't told you. Her motives were good. She was only trying to protect her father. Now a final request. For the sake of everyone, I beg you to burn this letter and never to tell Diana or Rosie about it. I know you will grant me this final wish, as you wouldn't want to hurt them either. It would kill them. I want them still to be proud of me as a husband and father. I made a terrible mistake, but it doesn't make me a bad person. Yours affectionately, Robert. Ben looked around at all the middle-class mums enjoying a coffee and chat. None of them could possibly suspect that the pale-faced man in the corner had just read a confession to a manslaughter. Ben felt sick. His head was spinning. His immediate thought was, No, Mr. Layton, you are indeed a bad person, a very bad person. Your selfishness knows no bounds. For the sake of your reputation, you were willing to let an innocent person be locked up missing his child's early years. You lied under oath, and now you want me to allow Mort to continue to languish in prison just to protect the sensibilities of your family. Well, you chose the wrong person. The first thing to decide was whether to tell the family or the police first. For a moment, he was about to stride into the wake at the tennis club and wave the letter at the assembled dignitaries, but in the end, he drove straight to Northwall's police station. DCI Bird had been transferred to another post in Fareham, but Jackson had been promoted and taken his place. He didn't even know that Robert had died and read the letter in dumbfounded amazement. Tomorrow he would have to consult his superiors about the procedure for initiating a pardon, something he'd never had to deal with before. Ben was staggered that the letter contained not a jot of empathy for the falsely imprisoned Mort. So self-obsessed had Robert been, so scornful of what he saw as the criminal classes, that he hadn't given him a thought. He wanted to protect his family well tough, because his family deserved to know just what kind of a man he had been. The wake was due to end at six, so at seven, Ben was ringing the doorbell at Chilbolton Avenue. Diana was in, and so were Rosie and her husband. When Diana opened the door, she tried to slam it back in Ben's face when she saw who the visitor was but Ben got his foot in place, preventing the door from shutting. "'You needn't think you can take advantage of my grief to make me forgive you,' she shouted. "'We said we never wanted to see you again, and we meant it.' "'I'm not the one who needs forgiving, Diana,' said Ben quietly. Through the gap in the door, he passed her one of the photocopies that Jackson had made of Robert's letter. "'Read this.' "'Why should I? What is it?' "'Just read it. If you don't want me to come in, that's okay.' 
The door closed and Ben sat down on a garden bench. His life, so calm and contented for years, had once again gone weird. But at least he now felt in control. He had something important to do. In his pocket was the second photocopy of the letter. Ben stood up and walked towards Romsey Road, up to the top of Stanmore Lane, then turned left down the hill and into Thurmond Road. Would Shelley still be living in the house where Mort used to live? It was unlikely, but possible. He knocked on the door of the house, he thought might be theirs, and was answered by a big man in a stained vest. Yeah? I wonder if a lady called Shelley lives here. She does what you want. A small boy poked his head round the man's legs. Is this Shelley's son? Yeah, who wants to know? I've got something for Shelley. Who's that, Darren? came a woman's voice from inside the house. Someone for you. Shelley appeared, looking anxious. Can I help you? Bloody hell, I know who you are. Ben decided to do away with any niceties. Yes, I'm Ben Walker. I'm here to tell you that Barry is innocent. He's been innocent all along. What? The colour had drained from her face. Read this. It will explain everything. You'd better come in. Ben stood with the big man, either a lover or a relative, he assumed, while Shelley sat on the sofa and read the letter. When she finished, she looked up. Is this some kind of wind-up? No, Shelley, it's the truth at last. I knew it! I bloody knew he never done it! I told the police so he'll be out soon. Until this afternoon, I had no idea of any of this. He didn't tell anyone. I don't even know why he told me. Somewhere in there, he must have had a conscience. Anyway, it's over. Now Ben had a decision to make. Should he attempt to talk to Diana and Rosie, or should he just go back to Texas and try to carry on with his life? In the end, he did pluck up courage and went back to Chill Bolton Avenue and rang the doorbell again. Both women were in tears, and poor David was hopelessly trying to comfort them. But nothing he, Ben, or anyone else could have said would have helped. Their lives had collapsed. How could you? Diana's voice was rasping and cracked. He asked you to burn it. Couldn't you have obeyed his last wish and spared us this torment? No, I couldn't. Please, God, you haven't shown it to anyone else. I took it straight to the police. But the man is dead. What good can that do now? What good? What good? Have you learned nothing? Do you want Mort to rot in jail for something he didn't do? But what about us? This was too much. I don't care about you. I care about what's right. Ben had nothing more to say. His flight back to sanity was the next morning. other books are also available in print and Kindle editions. For more information, head to olivergray.com. This audiobook was a DC 10 Tonight production.